Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode number 116. This is your host, Suman Wall. I'd like to welcome Matt Fitzgerald to Emirates Podcast. Uh, Matt and I, we talked a while back, uh, episode number 50. I was listening to our old podcast, uh, kind of going over and how things were. Uh, how's everything with you, Matt? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, I'm up to my usual tricks. I guess not that much has changed in in my life since we last spoke. Uh, you know, riding, coaching, and training and racing. Sounds like a busy schedule there. I think we got to see each other face to face up in Boston that year, uh, 2017. Your book signing and, and your book tour and racing tour, and you were talking about your your about right new book. Uh, How is that that coming along? Yeah, so I mean, I've always got a few in the pipeline. I have uh, a follow-up to 80-20 running called 80-20 Triathlon uh, that came out last September. Um, And then in March, uh, I have a memoir coming out called Life is a Marathon, uh, which is a little bit of a different direction. It's very personal, uh, but I think it will relate to anyone who whose life has been changed on a personal level through running. So it tells my story, but it also weaves other people's uh, kind of you know transformation experiences into it. So yeah, look for that in March. March, uh, March of this year. So that's not too far away. No, nope, uh, not. So what in that book, uh, what kind of things you briefly mentioned that uh, what what kind of things do you talk about? Yeah, it, it you know, begins uh, with you know my experience as a young uh, runner in uh, yeah, I started running very young at age 11. And the whole experience was kind of ruined for me because, uh, to be quite honest, I was I was not mentally strong, and the pain of trying to kind of push as hard as you can as a runner was too much for me. And I ended up doing some some kind of shameful things, like you know, failing to show up to the start line for races, faking injuries, uh, and ultimately quitting the sport. And you know, I didn't think I would ever run again, but when I got back into it when I was older. I, uh, that didn't sit well with me. You know, I didn't want to see myself as a coward, you know, which is how I did see myself, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, as I went forward, just trying to, you know, to have a second chance as an athlete and kind of run and compete more bravely. Um, I also experienced some, uh, some pretty severe challenges in in my personal life. Um, I'm married to a a beautiful woman who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh, when she was in her late twenties. And weirdly, you know, it seems like what does the one thing have to do with the other, but they really connect. And I think any runner can relate to that, how challenging yourself as a runner can make you stronger for the challenges you experience in your personal life, but Mm -hmm. also the challenges you experience in life can can strengthen you for running and that's exactly what i found so that's that's my story but you know like i said lot lots of other people have stories that are you know different in the particulars but kind of same the same on a, a deeper level and to me that's one of the most fascinating things about you know the journey that we're all undertaking in in one way or another and that's what this book explores definitely uh, that's a we're looking forward to uh reading a book or or uh, listening, reading, or however will come come about, but but nice. uh, but definitely, I have like few few of your books uh, lying around in the house. I've read some of them, so so definitely, it's always a good good read. Thank you for that. 
Yes. Uh, so, uh, Matt, uh, let's uh, let's kind of talk about uh, this area. What uh, where, what you're describing? Uh, this is the beginning of the year, uh, uh, beginning of uh, 2019 now, and uh, a lot of us uh, make a newest resolution. We want to be this, and we want to be that, and uh, we start with a big, hefty goal at the beginning of the year. And um, running, we know that a lot of us, we know how our life has changed with running, but sometimes it's hard to keep up to get get the motivation on. Uh, you know, you're right about you many different aspects of running a diet and um, exercise and all triathlon everything you write about and do your research uh, let's talk about let's kind of uh, dig a little bit deeper on an idea of uh, this new year's resolution uh, where people not able to keep up and uh, trying to go forward uh, you know they're they end up quitting running and trying to get back on the running and, and so so it's not that they're injured or anything but just just the willingness how have you overcome in such a scenario where you just you know you got burned out you know it happened to me uh, last year and yeah. I'm just trying to slowly trying to get back and trying to push myself and it's really hard right this moment so but I'm trying yeah I mean there are a few things I could say about that you know one is that you know there are times when it's it's the right thing it's okay to take a step back from running you know i've done it myself for various reasons you know you know either other parts of my life are just more important or um you know i've gotten hurt and i just get frustrated and think let me just not try to force this for a minute and just give my body a chance to get whole again. So it's not always a bad thing, you know, when you aren't motivated, you know, as long as you're motivated for something in life, and you're clear about it, you know, it's not that you know, you, you, running doesn't have to be a high, high priority or, at all times. And then but what you know, when you when you <laughs> when you want to pursue, you know, running related goals, you know, my experience is that those goals need to come from inside you. And, you know, New Year's res resolutions are a little bit artificial, right? Because it's a certain day, everyone does them. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> it can last for so many days that the people are like, okay, I'm just not, can't do this thing anymore. Right. So. right. So I think it's important to keep in mind that the whole purpose of a goal is to motivate you to do the next run. And it doesn't really matter what accomplishes that goal. So sometimes, you know, something can be a little bit weird or, you know, it might not be what everyone else is doing. But if it if it lights a fire in you, so be it. You know, I, I actually just wrote an article for competitor.com about run streaking. You know, it's this you know subculture within running of people who try to run every day. And I mean every day. <laughs> yeah, I have some of those friends. Yeah, definitely. Right. So. And it's, you know, you know, so it doesn't have to be far. But if you want like an official streak. You have to do something every day. Well, you know, that's not, you know, even me, you know, I, I'm a very passionate runner. I don't want to run every single day because it's really not good for my competitive goals. But for some people, that really excites them and they, it becomes a part of their identity. And so it doesn't, whatever it is that grabs you, let it come from inside. It's okay if, if the idea comes from outside, but don't just do it because other people are doing it. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if it excites you, that's the whole point is to just have a goal that, that gets you excited. But even there, uh, I mean, my personal journey has been where I am, where I'm trying hard. You know, I have a goal. And I couldn't reach it last year. And I just kind of, you know, even then I'm trying now. It's like, OK, can I yeah. can I get there this year? 
you know, the frustration, I think that's, that's the point I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm not frustrated myself, but sure. I know a lot of people get frustrated pretty quickly, you know, say, you know, it's not going well already. You know, how, how can I keep up? Uh, how do we get those kind of motivation on your research? How, how, what do you see? I think it, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, and, and I've been there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it, it's helpful for people in that position to shift from an outcome orientation to a process orientation. So we all care about out- outcomes, right? I want to qualify for Boston. I want to set a PR, whatever it is. Uh, I, you know, I want to finish a race of a longer distance than I've ever done before. Those are outcome goals. And they're very useful, but if you get too hung up in them, they can spoil the process. You know, you're so focused on six months from now or four months from now, you know, whenever your date with destiny is that you forget about, you know, today and tomorrow. Um, and that can become poisoning for runners of all levels. You know, even, even runners whose goal is to get to the Olympics who have a legitimate shot, you know, they can sabotage themselves by being too focused on the end of the journey and not the journey itself. You know, I have an older brother who's a runner who's trying to qualify for Boston and he has a lot of obstacles in his way. He's a little older than I am. He has some health issues. He has a, you know, a very busy life, you know, with family and work. Um, but you know, he he has kind of made that shift, and it's been really fascinating to see what it's done for him. That he he just keeps trying to take the next step. So he has a goal. It, you know, the goal is to qualify for Boston. But he's sort of, you know, he sort of just pushed that out of mind. And and it, every day he asks himself, you know, what can I do today? And if if today, if the best thing to do today is to take a day off, fine. Um, but it's very liberating to to make that shift where you, uh, you know, the goal doesn't go away, you know, that long term goal. But you just, you know, you just take the pressure off yourself a little bit by asking yourself, what can I do today? And sometimes it's a step back. You know, it's like, you know, well, this old injury acted up, so I need to take a day off, or I need to, you know go see my physical therapist, but you're always focused on, you know, what, what's the step that I can take now? Definitely. That has been my motto lately. What, what can I do now today? I mean, I ran four miles today earlier in the evening. I just, uh, as I was waiting for my daughter to get out of piano, I ran two more so that, that there's six miles, you know, (laughs) sometimes six miles is a big deal, you know, Sometimes 20 miles is a big deal. For me, it's like any mile I can get, I'm happy with it. So not having those miles, not doing at all is what, what is not acceptable. That's what I feel like. And yes. not getting those goals. So one other thing uh, on, on this same topic about uh, I see myself going through, I see a lot of time people going through. It's uh, we're only focused on running, but uh, because it, it can happen in any part of our life. Just basically, while while we're running, we're thinking about work, where we're working, think about running, and you know, <laughs> never there where whatever whenever we are hundred percent, right. you know. So because you you feel guilty about running six seven hours and then think about family, you want to get home so quickly, you know. So things like that. Um, I, I I'm 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 lately I'm struggling on on those scenarios. Well, trying to think, of how do I, I mean in the past I never had this thought about either when I'm running I'm just running I mean there was no right. thought about other things so is it a is it a sign of maturity uh, people go through this or how how, how does that uh, that plays on, on the uh, everything that you see yeah I mean I, I I think it 
it is in a sense uh i mean it's certainly a sign that you're reflective you know <laughs> and that you're examining yourself and again you know it's an experience i can relate to you know uh, there are times when you know my my wife will you know want to catch up with me at the end of a busy day and she'll say something and and then pause and look at me funny and say did you hear a word i just said <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to confess, no, I, I was wondering, uh, you know, what I should do for this pain in my calf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you feel a bit ashamed about that. Um, but then, you know, okay, what happens next? You know, in, in my experience, at least in my better moments, I ask myself, okay, is that who I want to be? Does running really matter to me more than my wife does? Um <laughs> You know, I want them both in my life. I want my marriage to be great and I want my running to be great. But, you know, there are times when when you have sort of you have your general priorities and also your your immediate or active priorities, you know. So when you are, are out doing an important workout, you should be focused on that workout and you have a right to be focused on that workout. But, you know, there also when it's time to have, you know, quality time with your wife, she deserves that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, if that really is a priority in your life, too, you, you should be there. So, you know, you, you can you can have those moments where you're not in the right place. You know, your body is doing one thing, your your mind is doing another. But if you're at least aware of that and you feel like that's actually not the way it should be, that's almost that, that's half of that's half of what you need to correct it. You know what I mean? If you just don't care, you don't care. But if you do, you know, you can try to do better next time. So, you know, the next time, you know, I, my wife uh, comes to me at the end of the day and, and tells me about her. <laughs> day. Like, I may be worried about my calf, but I stop worrying about it for for that for those five minutes you know so i can you know so i can be a good husband <laughs> <laughs> definitely and, and we we want to be a good husband good father and uh do things for them at the same time you're like okay uh, i think i need that five mile run and then they're like no you don't need that because you need to be here i was like okay so that's always that struggle we know uh i mean it's i'm seeing um Seeing in the past, I never saw that that way. But I, as I as I get older, I guess mature in this sports of running, I'm realizing, am I spending too much time doing this? Because because then it's back to the same question we had earlier: making a resolution, making you know at least making having that goal, and we want to reach that goal. Correct now here, I, you know, I mean, I'm, we're finding excuse to not do it. I mean, are there excuse because you know I hear. A lot of time, people say we I can reach it uh, because of this and this, and I mean, you know you have apparently you have more time than I do. I mean, which we don't, but <laughs> we try to make those times. Right. So, but struggle is there. Um, I see that being an ultra runner because my training demands a lot more hours and in a longer hours on a trail, and even you know, even even if you go two, three, four hours, sometimes it's not enough. Yeah. Um, you know, everything fits together because, you know, athletes are not exercise robots. We're human beings. And generally, you know, when we're happy in our life, when we're sort of happy and balanced in our lives out sort of running, that helps our running. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, you know, I want to say last year, it was actually two years ago now, when I spent the summer training with a team of professional runners in Flagstaff, Arizona, 
and living with actually one of the members of the team. You know, he, this is this is a guy who's trying to qualify for the Olympics and who has come close in the past. Matt Yano is his name. And, you know, he's very obsessive, very focused, very driven. But he told me, you know, he had to learn to just that, to, to learn that he's a human being. And, and it, you know, even if running is the most important thing to him, he'll actually run better if he has a balanced life. You know, if he just he, if he just puts it aside sometimes and has some fun, you know, goes out with friends. You know, I think it's helpful, important and helpful to, to keep that in mind, you know, that everything can and should fit together, that it's not a zero sum game, that what's good for your running is bad for your life and what's good for your life is bad for your running. It, it doesn't really have to be that day. That way, I mean, certainly there are moments when you sort of you have to choose between going on a picnic with your family and going for a, a long <laughs> run. And yeah, okay, those those moments will come. But in the in the larger scheme, everything can you know fit together and and work to you know the benefit of each each important part of your life. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, one of the thing I'm doing now lately is just taking my wife to running trail running with me, so she can spend three, four hours with me, and then I spend another three, four hours. So <laughs> so things will balance out, hopefully. So talking about that, one of our previous guests and uh, podcast listener, Lisa, Lisa Boer here, local run, she was asking me that uh, when I was posting that you will be in the podcast, she, uh, she's asking, do you have any, have a yearly off season and what does that look like? Do you, what kind of training you do? So before we talk about off season, do you have like a scheduled training plans or you know, you talked about uh, do triathlon, uh, but uh, how, how does the training plan work looks like? Typically, I do not work off of training plans. Uh, you know, I, I wrote this book a number of years back called, uh, well, the title is Run, but the subtitle is uh, The Mind-Body Method of Running by Feel. And that book includes a chapter called Winging It, which is about how you don't necessarily, if you're an exper more experienced athlete, you don't necessarily need a plan. And Plans are fine, but even if you do follow a plan, you shouldn't treat it as gospel. You know, you need to be flexible because a plan is actually predicting the future, and humans are terrible at predicting the future. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you if you have a twenty if you have, you have a, like a twenty week plan for a fifty k or whatever, well, that plan has a workout for Wednesday of week fourteen. Well, how do you know now if that's the right workout for you to do? <laughs> I mean, you don't like you don't. That, that's your best case scenario. You hope it works out that way, but you need to be flexible so that when you actually get there, you know, you're willing and able to do something different, you know, if it's not the best. So anyway, that's sort of, you know, because I, I am a very experienced athlete and, and a coach at this point. So I certainly have like a general plan at, at all times. And certainly I have, I don't just wake up in the morning without any clue what I'm going to do that day. I have a, a pretty tightly nailed down weekly routine and it evolves when I am moving toward an event, but I actually do not create long-term plans for myself. I, I simply don't need them. And yeah, so that, that's how I operate. I'm not, I'm not saying that every athlete should do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, some operate with that 13 week Wednesday three mile run they will operate on that one but but yeah not everybody will operate like that for me it's like uh, lately I'll, I'll just run whatever everybody's running so they want 20 miles i go 20 miles 15 so, <laughs> so yeah. like, or add more tag on more but what about the off season do you have anything off season i mean you know 
uh, or do you continually run throughout the years? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have, I'm not on the same schedule every year. If I complete sort of, you know, a successful training cycle where I've really, you know, kind of pushed my limits with the training and then did some kind of important race, I'll always take some time off after that mm. to you know, recharge my mental physical batteries. But that doesn't always happen at the same time every year. And because I am actually a, a rather injury prone athlete, a lot of it is dictated by that, you know, so I may have enforced downtime just because of an injury. And then so when I get healthy again, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, I'm hungry to race. So I'll, I'll set a goal. And so I might, and plus I live in California where you can race anytime. <laughs> so, you know, I might do an important race in January or April or July or October or, or whenever. So, yeah, it's not the same every year, but I, I absolutely do believe in, in the importance of training in, in some kind of sensible cycle uh, where like sort of a, a planned downtime is part of it. Got it. Uh, whenever you say important race, what does that mean for you? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the term generally used is an A race. So, you know, there's that, the phenomenon of peaking. There are a lot of sort of lifestyle racers out there. It's usually, you know, people who come to the sport late and really don't know how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> so they just sort of race whenever. Like, that's fine if that's <laughs> what motivates you. But, you know, if you want to actually race at the the best of your ability the best of your potential you need to designate two three at most you know four races a year that are you know true peak races and isolate those so you may you may do other races you know you don't aim to peak for those events uh so that's what i'm really talking about an, an event because it's not just the race itself it's the training you have to do to peak for a race so you know you know for me as someone who's done 40 something marathons like if I do all of the training to get in peak shape for a race, for a marathon, but then I don't run the marathon, I still need a break because of the training I did. Like the marathon ensures, you know, it's like the icing on the cake. I absolutely need a, need a break after a marathon. But, you know, the, the analogy I often give is like uh, crops, you know, corn doesn't grow all year round. It needs a fallow period. Uh, and human beings, you know, we're part of nature. We, we need fallow periods too. You can't, <laughs> you can't just try to get fitter every week for the rest of your life. It, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, for me personally, uh, I usually start racing, running about late September, and then go all the way to May, and then summertime I usually take off and. Try to retrain, retool, take a break a few months, and then kind of start from there. I mean, you know, I have off-season, you know. I mean, I've been doing that for since I started running. So just in the you know, south in Alabama, it gets really hot, you know. <laughs> it's not yeah. like California. So we definitely need to take off. I mean, I do race smaller races, you know, less than a marathon. But most of the racing is done and throughout the year. Lately, I have not even raced, actually. I'm hoping to go back and at least race uh, a race uh, like you're talking about the important. Right. Uh, tr I just pace and I have to have, I have a lot of back-to-back -back pacing lately. So and that's how I enjoy running these days. You know, being with others and pace others to their goals. You know, that's what's happening for me. But but definitely, like you said, I need to pick a race sometime. So hopefully in September. 
But let's just uh, keep talking about uh, the topic. I know that uh, you you do write about. We discussed uh, extensively in our last podcast. If you have not listened to the podcast uh, episode number fifty, we extensively talked about uh, you know, runner's diet and you know the running and eating and all, all different aspects of it. So tell us about a path of our uh, yearly goal. Try to make make ourselves better. Uh, let's discuss a little bit about diet as well, uh, which uh, which enhance our running. You know, we we discuss about uh, different aspect there. So tell us about uh, for minimum for a runner, uh, what kind of uh, good diet? You know, should, this should keep the regimen throughout the year. I mean, not only make yeah. a resolution, but you know, keep that resolution going. Yeah. So you know, my general shtick is um, I, I look at what the most successful athletes do and i recommend that for everyone that doesn't mean everyone needs to run 120 miles per week you know like professional marathoners do but it does mean you should run a lot <laughs> relative to your limit so in terms of diet you know what and that's what my book the endurance diet is all about you know i i spent a year traveling all around the world studying the diets of elite endurance athletes not just runners but uh, triathletes, cyclists, swimmers, uh, skiers, rowers, and there are common patterns in the way they fuel themselves. Um, and you might think, oh, well, they're made out of space materials. What does that have to do with me? But actually, that's really not true. Um, we're we're all human, and what works for them with proper scaling generally works for us. And and what they do, it was uh, interesting to see how few of these athletes at the very, very highest level. I know I'm talking about Olympians and world champions. Like very few are on any type of diet that has a name. Very, very few were vegans or, or, or ketogenic or paleo or whatever. They just eat kind of normal for, for their culture, but a high quality version of normal. <laughs> and, and sort of the, you know, the important ingredients are balance, inclusiveness. It's actually, you know, so many popular diets are about not eating this or that. What you see the, the most successful athletes do is eating everything. You know, they really go out of their way to eat everything from soup to nuts, as they say, you know, because every type of food, every food group contributes to health in a, in a unique way. Uh, so it's not that you can't be a healthy and, and successful athlete with you know by eliminating food groups or going low carb or whatever but you do make it riskier and that's not what the top athletes do they they have a very balanced inclusive well-rounded diet but you know when i say they eat everything i don't mean they drink five beers every day and have cheesecake for dessert every night it's it's a very high quality diet so you know almost you know the, the vast majority of their calories are coming from natural unprocessed foods um you know fruits vegetables nuts whole grains fish you know things like that uh, and not so much you know fried foods or refined grains or sweets or processed meats um so simple stuff not earth shattering but that is what they do and i think that's what's best for everyone you know you need to find your own little space within that framework because you know we are all human but we're also all unique so you know, there's a little bit of responsibility on you to find patterns that that really work for you but you don't have to do anything weird or unbalanced that's for sure <laughs> yeah i don't know how weird it is but i'm i'm a vegetarian 
turn vegan. We talked about that last time, but uh, vegan to vegetarian now, from even meeting to vegan, vegan to vegetarian to uh, qualify for Boston. And since 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 I have left eating meat, I have not gone back. And last time when I talked to you, I was like, how should I go back? And I still haven't been, have don't have a curse to go back. I don't know why, but <laughs> so so I'm I'm kind of doing okay still. Uh, I'm okay for not eating meat. Um, I do not crave anymore, but uh, definitely, I guess say whatever works for you. But uh, but like you said, there's no point of eliminating any diet if you don't have eat whatever you you are able to eat. I think, and that's what, if I hear that correctly. Last two times we talked, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, if I have an athlete who comes to me, you know, and asks me like, how should I eat? I'm not going to tell that athlete to stop eating meat. <laughs> you know. If, if that athlete says, I, it's against my moral values to eat meat, then I will give that athlete advice about how to make it work. You know what I mean? But if all I care about is the health and performance of an athlete, I'm not going to tell them to stop eating anything because the research doesn't support it, the science doesn't support it, and real world best practices don't support it. So, I don't try to over control any athlete. They, they have their own values and preferences and I'll, I'll work with those. But again, if they just come to me as a blank slate and they don't articulate any, any preferences and all they care about is performing their best, then I will tell them, you know, eat everything, but just eat, eat high quality. That, you know, that to me is the, you know, if, it, if you're just a betting person, Odds are best that that will work out for you, you know, again, if, if performance is your only concern. Definitely. I'm still considering reconsidering the whole thing. One of the things um, I have faced or, you know, last, since I ran 100 in last Mars, and my doctors were telling me, um, so was, you know, they wanted me to slow it down a little bit, and he was like, uh, you know, we all athlete, you you always not going to be the same. You may want to slow it down. You know, we talked about you, you know, a little bit, you know, we're getting older and you, you talked about a little bit of your brother trying to train. As you get older, um, maybe that's the research for future research for you to kind of kind of look into older athletes. I have friends who, who runs, who are in 80s, uh, Jimmy Burns, he, he's still doing his 100 mile, 134 miles, setting the old records and all the records. But it, that's not that many. But I mean, for us, is as, as we get older, and our population, older populations are, are growing. Uh, what do you see out there for older athletes? Uh, I'm talking 50 and above. Uh, and that's why I'm reaching those age. Uh, because uh, sometimes I feel like I should be just sitting home and watching TV and <laughs> <laughs> doing nothing. Then spending hours and hours on trails. And that's what a lot of people look at. It's like, how, when are you going to quit doing these things, you know? Yeah, I guess quitting is your right. You know, like the athletes do that, you know, and if you decide I may at some point, I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to that, but I may decide I'd rather golf, you know, and if that's what I want to do, then I'll have no problem with it at that time. Right now, I want to continue to be an endurance athlete. So for those people who are, you know, are aging into their 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond, who still do have the desire to continue in endurance sports, there are two things you need to do to to age gracefully as an endurance athlete. One is you need to adapt. You know, your body does change. Your, your limitations 
they can sort of close in on you. <laughs> you can't do things that you used to be able to do. Well, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that one. You know, if you, 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 you can't fight those things, you just, you, you sort of have to accept them, but you also, uh, you have to be persistent, you know, um, and do what you can do, you know, don't sacrifice any more than is necessary. You know, I'm 47 now. I started running when I was 11. So I've got a lot of miles on my body. Um, but you know, I don't feel old. I really don't. You know, I, I notice certain things like, well, like when I'm sprinting at my absolute top end speed, it's not what it used to be. And it's noticeable um, at my age, which, you know, the science says, it would be very strange if I didn't notice that that difference in my age. But, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, because you know a lot of things are measured. Uh, beyond that, you know, I I feel and perform. You know, I haven't lost a, a lot, and I think part of that is because I just have chosen not to. You know, the the mind is incredibly powerful. We, we tend to think as athletes that we're slaves slaves to our body you know you you have to be slower at 47 than you were at 27 well who says <laughs> you know uh, for me you know what hasn't changed is that my my passion uh you know for training and racing and performance uh has has not diminished and that takes you a long way i've seen that in you know other athletes who sort of age well um as athletes that's the common ingredient so if you just have the hunger and the desire you, you have to adapt. You know, I remember meeting uh, Haile Gebre Selassie, the Ethiopian runner who set 27 world records in his career. When I met him, he was 36. Well, he was officially 36. A lot of people think he was a few years older than his official age. But he had just set his second marathon world record You know, at, at a pretty advanced age for an elite athlete. And in, in the course of interviewing him, he, he mentioned that there are certain workouts he refused to to do what if his coach said i want you to do 200 meter sprints he he would not do them because he, he had had achilles surgery he just you know his body just couldn't do those types of workouts and so he didn't he found you know he, he explained that you know certain things he was able to do better because of his experience so he focused on doing better what he could do better because he was older and not trying to force the things he couldn't do as well because he, he he was older, and that's what allowed him, you know, to set world records, you know, at, at an age when a lot of his peers w were retired. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the that's a great takeaway in, in that whole conversation. I feel like um, either it has to do with my uh, ultra training or uh, just the age or not enough training, whatever it is. Um, I'm not able to go the speed or even some some days it's not even distance but definitely i do see myself slowing down a lot more uh, even with the slowness i may be able to go a little further than distance maybe i need to work in distance versus trying to get back my speed you know you know what i mean so some i, I mean in a two three years the decline was so obvious for me so we'll, yeah. i'll have to keep trying and see where my question is uh, is uh is my training matching that my desire? I think that's that's the point for me. Is I kind of slacked off on the training, and I have to. I'm gonna put that training back on and and look at the end of the year, maybe end of the 2019, saying, "Hey, you know, it, it may not be just training. It's just the AEC or in. You know, it's just kicking in." So we'll we'll have to experiment. You know, 
sometimes runners are experiments of their own, you know, so so definitely so. So talk about getting older and uh, when you talk to uh, the older athlete uh, who are still trying to get to their peak, uh, what do you see in them? It's just is a desire for them to like a, or it's just a challenge or what, what motivates them, you know, versus the younger athlete? Yeah. Well, the one thing that can always get stronger is your mind. And I think that is what keeps the journey exciting for a lot of athletes who, I mean, it's one thing if you're 50 years old as a runner and you started running and you were, when you were 48, it's another if you're 50 years old as a runner and you started when you were 14, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. um, and so if you've just been doing it for, you know, if you're, if you're not only older, but you've been doing it for a long time, you know, what I see, and this is, this is true for myself and for uh, others like me that I've seen is that the journey becomes more about uh, the mind, you, you know, because you, your mind be, can, you can always gain wisdom, you know, as, as long as uh, your mind is still working. <laughs> um, you know, I find that, you know, right, right now I'm training for an Ironman triathlon. It, it will be my first in uh, 17 years, I think I can have I have a pretty good chance of going faster. I'll be 48 on race day than than when I was 31. And it's not because I've defied aging. It's because I'm smarter and wiser and I have all this experience. So that becomes part of the fun of it. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't lie to yourself and say, Oh, my body is the same as it was when I was 31. That's just not the case. But you can take all that experience and wisdom you've gained and try to do things better. And that's, I think that's what keeps a lot of older and more experienced athletes engaged. <laughs> Definitely. Some of us, uh, include myself, I may not, uh, I'm, I'm more in denial than, uh, than accepting that I'm getting older. <laughs> So like, uh, yes, I can still try and, uh, it's not working that well. So, so definitely, but I am putting, uh, training back on and, and, uh, we, let's see when we have our next podcast discussing year, year and a half, whenever we get around talking, we'll, we'll see where, where we stand. So, uh, and our, my own research, I need to, I need to log a little bit more, try to, as I'm aging, uh, try to see, and I, I find a lot of my friends, you know, the passion's still there, but it's just the speed and, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe time to spend and going, you know, it's just like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else kind of thing. You know, I see that happening to myself and others. And we, we have discussed so much in this podcast already, but, um, but definitely, uh, and Matt, as you go forward, uh, what are, what are the other projects are you working on? You said you have a, Triathlon coming up, book coming up. Uh, what are the other big projects so for you? Yeah, I am also actually working on a book about my experience with that team of professional runners and Flagstaff that I mentioned earlier in our conversation. So that book is called The Running Bum. And you know, basically the idea is like, you know, we're used to the idea that very young and very talented athletes get the chance to take it all the way and just find out how good they can be. But why, why shouldn't everyday people get to enjoy a similar experience where at least for a period of time, you get to 
make running your absolute and clear top priority of your entire life. You know, I reached out to this, the coach of this professional team and asked, hey, can I join in an unofficial capacity for one summer? He said, yeah, it was an amazing experience. It's sort of just like, you know, a, a fantasy that I got to live out, but it's a fantasy I think that a lot of other runners share. Not many people would get the opportunity to do what I did, but the idea of this book is to allow others to experience it through me. It's my story, but it's something that so many runners can relate to and hopefully will inspire a lot of athletes out there feel like oh well i'm I'm not talented enough to deserve to put the time and the effort and even the money or whatever into the sport but i think everyone deserves to if you have the desire that that's kind of what this this book is about definitely looking forward for that it'll be interesting and hopefully you can start looking at the research of 15 and above running racing. So so that could be another topic. I know there's several books out there, but I would like to see your perspective and as you find other runners and see how that, that is working for everybody. You know? <laughs> uh, so Matt, as you uh, look at uh, the the world of marathon and world of running, you know, you you get to meet a lot of people and do a lot of these things like you you talked about meeting elite athlete to in a different level, you know, everyday athlete, so on. So how do you see the world of running uh, from your point of view or your 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 research and as you travel around the country? Is it a is it a growing sport? So, I mean, no, the ultra running is pretty it's growing still. It has not. I don't think it had reached the maturity. Uh, what about the marathon running? As um. Has it has it grown to its you know from the time like you said you started running since you were fourteen till now the sports of running what do you see uh, is it growing sports it has matured enough we still haven't started it yeah you know I don't even worry about that stuff too much I mean you know I I pay attention but there are those people who you know they wring their hands when you know the statistics come out and they find out that you know fewer people participated in running events and this year than the year before. But, you know, my attitude is running is not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it is such, you know, humans have been doing it as long as we've been human. And it's just so great. You know, anyone, I mean, it's not for everyone. You know, my wife doesn't run, but it's always going to be something that for a lot of people, when they try it, they just love it and it's good for them and it changes them. And that's all I care about. I love it. It, it has made my life better. And I just try, I'm focused on bringing it to more people. And, and again, not forcing it on everyone because it's not for everyone. But, you know, whether it, you know, I have no problem if, you know, other Things come along like obstacle racing that are like a version of running that's not just running or, you know, the beer mile where you drink a beer before the start of each lap of a mile race. <laughs> you know, if it takes different permutations, I'm fine with that. I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily do these things myself, but I love running. I think, you know, a certain number of people always will. And I, I just am focused on doing my part, you know, to bring it to more people. Definitely. Yeah. My part, I usually I tell people that if you're interested in running and you need help, I'm always there to help. But I'm not trying to convert a non-runner to a runner. That's usually not not my role. So let somebody else do that. But I don't do that. Try to convert people. Usually, most of my interaction with people who is already a runner or already want to start running just don't know how to do it. You know, so it's usually you know buying the shoes, getting in the trail, finding the routes. You know, sometimes going the distance. So that's that's what's that's how I look at lately. So. Unlike you, uh, yeah, I, I go to go around 
a lot of big races they're full capacity and they're yep. growing so but i hear about like a, the next generation the millenniums they're not interested in running that's uh that's what i hear so i'm just um so you see what you see so so you're like me we just focus on our own own little little lane i guess trying to figure out so definitely matt we talked about so many different aspects running uh running a resolution running diet exercises older generation running as many different aspects in this podcast uh before we close this interview i just wanted you to give a word of words of advice to runners out there uh who's listening to us to continue uh pursue their goals of running and uh be good at uh, what they do and uh not give up hope when things goes bad give us a word of advice sure yeah i mean the i guess the last piece of advice i would give on that talk is to be real with yourself all human beings are prone to fool themselves or to see illusions in one way or another and those things can spoil relationships they can make you less effective at work and they can also spoil the 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 running journey so you know, as I alluded to earlier in the interview, like just as an example, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're not motivated and you need to take a step back from running. Just be real. Um, you know, it's always the first step toward getting to, you know, to where you need to be as a runner is just knowing what the real situation is, like, you know, what's going on inside you, what challenges you're confronted with. Don't try to hide from it, you know, whatever it is, whether it's inside you or external. Be real, accept it, accept it. That doesn't mean you have to accept it as something that can't be changed. Accepting what's real is actually the first step toward making a change toward where you want to be. Uh, so yeah, maybe if I have uh, a two-word motto for people to take into 2019, it would be get real. Get real. Great words of advice. And I'm, I'm going to try to get real myself. <laughs> <laughs> and make myself a real runner again will hopefully want to and accept what what is given to me by mother nature you know so so i can defy that so try to fight it through but it's not gonna we'll see how how that'll pan out but definitely thanks for your time uh great talking to you again uh coming back again to talk to us um hopefully i will we'll see you somewhere on the road trail somewhere in between signing books or or something like that so thanks for your time matt yeah my pleasure i enjoyed it thanks for listening to another episode of emirates podcast please visit emirates.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes links to our social media channels get race photos get discount codes and more